You are listening to the Talking Tough Podcast, the world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Their stories of triumph, their falls from grace, and their climb back to the top, to life. This is Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough on the Podcast One Network. It's Rick Bassman here for the Talking Tough podcast. I uh, hope everyone's doing great today. Normally, I'll talk about um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about who the guest is for a couple, three minutes without even saying their name and get into a bunch of other stuff. Uh, I want to mention my guest real quickly, and we'll come back and introduce him in a couple minutes. But there's a gentleman on today. Um, his name is Kala Alexander. Many people out there know him. Many don't. Those who know him right away are going to be jazzed that this guy is on those that don't, I think, are to be absolutely fascinated by the uh, time the conversation is over. I, I've known Kala for, I would say, about 15 years now. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say that these days we're um, becoming more and more what I'd like to think uh, are friends. Um, we've been in touch. We've had some really cool discussions. We're doing some business together. Uh, this is a really interesting guy. In 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 the day of uh, multi-hyphenates when we like to call um, people a singer, dancer, actor, needlepoint or whatever it is. Um, I, I want to reel off a few things that Kala has been called. Not, not all of them are, are just or accurate, but these are some of the, just some of the things he's well known for. Uh, he's a world-class big wave surfer. He's a philanthropist with a heart of gold. He's a street thug. He's a recovering addict. He's an internationally known fashion model a full scholarship student, an increasingly busy actor, an incarcerated felon, a benefactor to many, a loving father of five, and the list goes on. And it's just, there, there's such a wealth of material here, all, all in one person that I hope I can do him justice today. And uh, I pledge to you, we're gonna do our best. Before I get to that, there's a, a couple things I always like to throw out there. It's my, uh, my all uh, in one excuse if things go awry here. As uh, the listeners of Talking Tough know, I'm up in what I like to call the wilderness of Maui in the Makawal Forest. Uh, we don't have any neighbors. No one is anywhere near us. Us are me and my four little maniacal pitbulls. And I bring this up because if a car comes anywhere within a quarter mile of here, all four dogs are going to go completely nuts. So I apologize in advance for any explosions of barking. There just ain't a whole lot I can do about it. Um, they're my babies, and that's the segue to the one thing I like to plug for myself each podcast, and that is our nonprofit uh, nationwide pit bull rescue effort. It's called the Bully Dog Rescue Coalition. You can check us out at bullydogrescue.com. My dogs, Ramon, Gogo, Eos, and Dennis, are the spokes dogs for the organization, and what we do is we spread, we uh, create awareness, and we raise funds for an amazing group of women, four of them, including uh, Maui's own Virginia Ross, who have dedicated their lives to pit bull rescue by opening these giant sanctuaries. All right, so I've talked about my dogs, I talked about our rescue and our effort, and now uh, it's no longer about me. I wanna bring on to Talking Tough today, um, definitely one of the toughest people I know, and and one of the most interesting. Uh, I'm pleased to introduce, uh, my acquaintance, and uh, I hope I get to call him friend also, Kala Alexander. Kala, are you with us? Yeah, aloha, Rick. Yeah, we, we're definitely friends, man. I, I would definitely put us on that level, 100%. Well, right on, man, and and, and I appreciate that, Kala. You know, and I, I talk a lot at the beginning, and I'm going to turn the floor over to you because you have so much to share, but I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. You know, you, you know, you know my history, and the listeners know a bit more about it, and you know, I, I, I get to call my friends, guys like, you know, Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man, or Rusty Coons, the guy who who's the top guy in, in the world's most notorious motor, motorcycle gang, or, you know, Richard Marcinko, who runs SEAL Team 6. And I have to say, man, this is kind of funny. There are, uh, it's very rare that I'm even remotely intimidated by another human being, but I got to admit, man, you're one of them. So I'm glad we're friends. Yeah, me too, man. I, I don't mean to be intimidating but um you know i grew up in a tough neighborhood and and uh you know sometimes you know i i haven't always i've had a tough life dealt with a lot of loss and and sometimes you know i wear that on my sleeve and i don't pretend things are 
great if if they're not and that that's something I have to explain to some people sometimes they think maybe I'm not happy and or I'm pissed off at them and it's like hey one thing I, I you can always be sure of is if I'm pissed off at you I'll let you know you know um and these days that would be by just never talking to you again you know if you cross the line these days I just I just I don't deal with people who cross the line unless they get in my face, you know, other than that, I, I just, I got too much other stuff to focus on. Yeah. And that, and that's probably a good choice for conduct for sure. I and mean, we would definitely stay out of trouble that way. Um, well, and, and what I was also um, alluding to, I mean, obviously you can take care of yourself physically. We all know that. And as tough as I like to think I am, I wouldn't want to go one-on-one with you, but it, it goes way beyond that, man. It's how it, in my eyes, it's how you carry yourself as a person. Um, that there's a quality about you that, you know, tra- transcends even your street toughness. So that's, that's a really cool thing, I think. And, it, and it's rare. Um, it's what those of us in the pro wrestling community call the it factor. Either you have it or you don't, and, and not many do, um, people that meet, you know, you have that, but I, I want to ask you on that note, people that meet you or, or haven't met you yet, but have done a search for you or heard about you. W- what do you think? Not not what you would like your legacy to be or how you'd like to be remembered. But what do you think people that haven't met you yet think about you that have heard about you? I was always curious about that. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. I, I mean, um, the smart people will never believe what they hear, but only what they see and get for themselves. Um, I know some people think might think I'm a piece of shit and, you know, some people have told me that, uh, online or behind, uh, a a profile behind the computer. Um, you know, and they've said some stuff, a lot of guys I'll just block, but man, some guys, man, they say stuff about my family, my mother who's passed away. Um, you know, um, and those guys, the guys that will get online and say stuff to you online, like to to you, someone who they don't even know and have never met. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Those are the biggest pussies in the world. You know what I mean? Because the toughest guys in the world, they worry about themselves. They worry about their families. And they don't take time out of their day to get in your face about something that never even remotely happen near them or in their life you know what i mean and i know a lot of tough guys man that are on like some of the toughest guys in the world and you know they don't take the time out of their busy day man they're focused on making themselves better people and being better fathers and better businessmen and honestly the guys who are physically fit and training you know they're usually the clearest thinkers because they don't have a lot of frustration or pent up energy, they're letting it out. You know what I mean? At the same time, when you see somebody like that, you know, you can see that who they are and what they are, man. They just, you know what I mean? Like they don't have to raise their voice or yell or scream and, 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 and but nobody. No, you know, yeah, man, I, I, I to- totally know what you're talking about. And like, you know, in my experience, you know, we have this tagline for talking tough, the world's tough, toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. And, you know, the, the guys that you're talking about that are typing, we call them keyboard warriors in, in the wrestling and MMA worlds. They love to criticize from, yeah, from a, a hidden profile. You're right. The, the ones that I've found, the toughest people I've found are not only necessarily the guys who can kick most people's asses, although they certainly can do that. It's the guys who, who have realized who they are and, and the mark that they make on this world. And there, there's a turn somewhere along the line. They may not have always been this way, but they, they suddenly have a heart that, that wants to help. And to do that, they're, they're willing to tell who they are and re- reveal their vulnerability. And I've come to uh, learn that about you recently, that you know, you're, you're the opposite of going around and flexing and putting on a tough guy veneer and and with all due respect, Kalo, I I think that's the image some people may have of you if they read stories online and all that. But it's one dimensional and, and it's bullshit, as we've discussed. I know that these days a lot of your life is dedicating to helping others. 
Can you tell us a little bit about that through through your nonprofit work and otherwise? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, the the you know people who have gone through the most hardship and 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 loss, like 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 I have, you know, are the ones that want to help the most because they know how terrible that loss feels and you know how how much it hurts to want a better life and to have experienced uh you know things that you see other kids experience like i've never met any of my grandparents you know and and um i met one of my grandmothers and it was on her deathbed and she died a couple weeks later i I think i was 13 or 14 you know and um, I just think that unconditional love from grandparents is something that I've watched over the years. And, and because I had, I do have a big family and I have a lot of friends that have big families and, and I, I see the dynamics and, um, you know, and I see the importance of, of everybody in the family, especially grandparents, you know, the, the wise experienced and, 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 you know, just kids just thinking they can get all the answers from Google these days. It's just, it just blows my mind. You know, they'd rather sit on their phone or their computer and, and, and they think they got everything there rather than talk to one of the elders and hear what it was like to do what these guys are reading about. What the, what were they feeling when this, this shit happened and, and you know, how life was before computers and phones and when they hunted and fished more and, um, lived off the land and, and just looked each other in the eyes and had communication and, um, you know, and that's what I hope to instill in these kids. And then I look at, you know, just kids in general, uh, need guidance and mentors and, and help. And then you look at sick kids, it's like, wow, you know what I mean? Like not only do they, are they, you know, you know, just trying to learn how to be a person in this society, but they're like trying to just survive, you know, and they yeah, don't man. Have normal. Kids. I'm sorry. Yeah. I want to get, I want to, I want to jump on that tip in a moment. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you, you know, I've always been there. If, if anyone asked me for help as far as like, you know, causes or, um, you know, like with the Huey and uncle Eddie and those guys and, you know, we've always visited the hospital around Christmas and, you know, Uncle Eddie is a huge uh, role model for me, you know, and he's, he's one of the gnarliest guys you ever meet, but he has one of the biggest hearts, you know, he's helped more people than I can count that I can even like we could go. Let, on let me, let me that. ask you this real quickly. I, I'm thinking that people that are listening to this interview, if, if, if they don't know you yet, I'm sure they're going to search you and they're going to find out about you. You mentioned uncle Eddie a couple of times. Can you tell those who don't know? I, I, I know him well and respect him to the ends of the earth. Of course, people don't know him. How do you describe uncle Eddie? Well, yeah, we don't have enough time in the day. I know it's a tough one, day. isn't it, man? <laughs> I know. How about this way? He's a larger-than-life character with a heart of gold who's the last guy on this planet you want to be on the wrong side of. Is that fair? I would say yes. And and, uh, just just a huge father figure for me. And, you know, one of the – like, he's about 5'6", but he's one of the gnarliest, toughest guys I've ever met. And, um you know, always was there for his friends. I mean, if you, if, if you're his friend and you need help and there's 20 guys and he's, he's going to stand there right next to you, you know what I yeah. mean? Like until they. Yep. I do. Um, I do yeah. know about him and, and people are blessed to have someone like that in, in their lives as, as you have. So it, le- it leads me to this question. Yeah. We've talked about this a bit lately. There, there are a lot of people out there suffering these days and I, you know, I, I've gone through my ups and downs too, and and you know, my rock bottom, my rock bottoms were pretty low. And I'm I'm ashamed to admit now that you know, in, in a couple of those instances, I I got very into the you know the poor me state of mind or the victim state of mind. And you and I both know that that doesn't serve anybody, least of all ourselves. But here here's here's what I want to ask you. So someone that's listening to this can go, oh yeah, well yeah, so this guy had it tough, but now. Now he's, you know, he's famous as a world-class big wave surfer. He has a, he has a beautiful woman. Um, he's running this high-profile nonprofit. He, he's this, he's that. Um, 
you know, so he's got all this family around him. So easy for easy for him to say that he can, you know, he can do all that. So I've got a two part question because he's all those things now. I've got a two part question for you. And I'll I'll remember the second question. So here's the first. Um, Can you give I know you've had some very rough points and times in your lives and and not just a moment. Sometimes it lasted for, for quite a while. There was a period in the early 90s that I'm aware of. Can, can you tell the listeners what that time was like for you and what happened during that time? Yeah, I, I mean, shit, I was, you know, graduated high school in 87. In the early 90s, um, you know, uh, surfing quite a bit, you know, but... Um, you know, not making money really necessarily. I was sponsored, but, you know, just living on Kauai still. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting because uh, in the early 90s, I got my real estate license when I was about 22, 23. I was selling timeshare. Um, you know, I've always been a smart kid, and, and both of my parents were really smart, and, and I, you know, got some of that through DNA, I guess. You know, but there's nothing worse than a... The, the only thing worse than a stupid person is a smart person that doesn't use his brain. And, you know, uh, there was a time when all I wanted to do was have fun. But in the early 90s, it was, it was, it was, it was a pretty crazy crossroads because, um, you know, I lost my mom in a flood. And, um, you know, I was on a Oahu while, while the flood happened on Kauai and, and uh, it was kind of like, you know, before, oh, it's just, you know, just tough losing her because I, I feel like I took her for granted, you know, and she was always there for me and the smartest, hardest working person I knew and, and I just thought she'd always be there, you know, you, know what? you always think your, your loved ones will always be there, but they won't, you know, and, and uh it was hard, you know, hard to lose her because she just was so much, you know, she's my best friend, um, you know, and I looked up to her so much and, and uh, she, you know, she came from, from nothing, you know, she grew up in eight mile Detroit and, and left during the race riots and her and her sister drove from Detroit all the way to California where she and, and her sister actually met Uncle Eddie Makua Rothman's dad and my dad in a few of my uncles and, and they actually brought my mom back over here and uh um after she passed away man it was tough you know it's been three months later i had my first kid and it just you know as if losing her wasn't enough but just not not um my kids not being able to ever meet her and and and, and how amazing she was just really really hurt you know and um, not too long ago, not too long after that, we had a hurricane on the island and, um, you know, there's a lot of transients and a lot of people that follow storms around for work. Cause you know, that time when there's a storm, anybody can get a job. They're not, you know, they're not having to fill out applications or anything. There's just devastation. And, you know, there's just trees down and highways to be cleared and houses to be rebuilt. So there's a lot of work and there's a lot of, you know, people that came to Kauai, you know, um, one of them was this guy that happened to be speeding by my house, you know, my whole roof was gone and, you know, it was a stressful time. I, I my mom, you know, still kind of reeling over that. And, and, and um, you know, he just ran over one of my dogs in front of my house and um, ran away and I saw him a few days later and, and I, you know, in my mind, you know, he should give me some money. My dog was one of my, the sources of my income. I, bred pit bulls and sold them and then so I you know made him give me some money which was extortion and then I beat him up pretty bad and it, and it turns out he was a long time heroin addict you know so when they you do heroin that long your bones come real brittle I must have hit him like four or five times but I mean he just got really fucked up and so I got you know five years for assault five years for attempted extortion uh, or one year for attempted extortion, five years for uh, actual extortion, and but they ran it all concurrently, so I had like a five-year sentence. But you know that all happened in a few years, and this, you know, I just 
never having a father and just having a mother that worked three or four jobs because we were so poor, you know, just didn't really have any guidance, you know what I mean? And so. And wasn't it around this time also, and I, I don't know if it's okay to ask this or not, but if it's not, tell me, um, wasn't there absolute horrific um, thing that happened around your sister as well? Yeah. So I, I have a, you know, I have six half brothers and a, and a half sister. And one of my half brothers, Kamale, who's also a pro surfer like me, his, his, his half sister from his dad, we have different fathers. His dad's a Hawaiian. And then he, his Kamale's uh, dad had another beautiful daughter with, uh, with another woman. And this is right after the hurricane as well with all these transients and, and Kamale's dad's ex girlfriend, the mother of this girl, this four-year-old girl, she was an alcoholic, raging alcoholic. So she's drinking and doing drugs with this other, this transient guy. And his brother uh, abducts my brother's four-year-old half-sister and rapes and murders her. She's four years old. And, uh, yeah, and I, you know, I, I considered her a sister of mine, too. You know, I didn't see her that much. She's an innocent young child, you know what I mean? She's four years old, and she looked just like my brother Kamale, so it was heartbreaking, you know? Um, but, yeah, this tough, man. This guy, uh, I think, I don't know. I think he might be dead. I think he got killed in prison or something, but. Well, you know, I, I, I never wish anybody ill, but part, a big part of me wants to say whoever the guy was, he deserved whatever happened to him. But I don't, I don't want to go down that road. What, what, I, what, I, what I do want to say is this, man. So we were talking about all, all these heights you've achieved as a surfer, an actor, a model, a philanthropist. So now what we're hearing about is a guy who, in a pretty relatively short period of time, lost his mother tragically and the person i'm not trying to bum you out man really but there's there's a point to all this um lost the person closest on earth to him and his mother in, in in a tragic way lost his home his family home saw his dog killed experienced what you do with your sister which is just really beyond any conception i i have in my brain i mean that's that's a lot of horrific shit all at, at one time now all these years later you're, you are the things we've talked about you being, all, the, all these different measures of success you've achieved. And you also, uh, whether you were born this way or became this, you're also a very good guy at heart. What, what I want to ask you is this. It's a big question. Let's say we have someone listening, you know, that's in, well, you mentioned Detroit. Let's say they're in Detroit. So they're, they're not near a beautiful beach like where, where you live and where I live. They're in Detroit. The weather sucks. It's rainy. It's snowing, whatever it is. They don't have family and they're going through their own set of horrific shit. If you had that person in front of you right now, what would you say to somebody like that? And that's a, that's a good question, man. I would tell them to, you know, join a gym, get in the gym. You know, the people that are in the best shape, in my opinion, are always of the clearest minds and the strongest mindset. You know what I mean? Um, they're, they, they're empowered. I mean, empower yourself. If you can't, if you don't have family, you don't have that support, go get a family, man. A lot of these gyms, a lot of these jujitsu gyms, boxing gyms, MMA gyms, there's some fucking good people in there. It's extended family. You're right, man. I've, I've blessedly experienced that many times in my life. Yes. Yes. Best, most solid, hardworking, uh, people with the best mindsets or, or you're going to find them at a fucking martial arts gym or a, a MMA gym, man, just, you know, and, and you make brothers in there, you know? And if the person listening right now says, Oh, well, you know, and I'm going to try to really, it's going to sound ridiculous, but person says, well, I don't have the money to join a gym. They can go to a Y, right? There's always, there's always, well, there's a will, there's a way. There's always something to find. Yeah, my mother did it, you know, she, she, they had nothing. She was 17 years old, you know, they just had a Volkswagen, <laughs> that's it, you know, but they worked. In fact, my mom drove an ice cream truck um, in Detroit. And one of the things that convinced her that she should leave Detroit is that she had, uh, you know, accidentally driven to a, a gunfight uh, and, and was shot at, you know, just inadvertently bit getting caught in the crossfire while she was driving this ice cream truck. So 
you know, not too long after that, her and her oldest sister, my auntie Linda, they, they fucking bailed, you know, they were out of there. So there's, yes, well, if you accidentally drive through but a gunfight, that's... I, I, yeah, I don't want to simplify it. I mean, there's no way to, you can't simplify, oh yeah, just go to Hawaii, you know, but I think the easiest thing for them to start is, I mean, if they don't have any money, you can always start with cleaning the gym. I know a lot of people started training at a gym by cleaning it and just, but you can't turn to drugs. That's the one thing I know for sure is the worst. Well, it, it sol- it, no, come on, man. Drugs, drug solves a problem though for about an hour, yeah, right? That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, man. That's what, oh, no, it doesn't. It just, it just numbs it. it just I know, numbs man. I know. I'm, I'm being facetious, of course. It's the worst thing you can do. I just want, these people listening, if, if someone like that is listening, it's not hard. All the good things in life take a lot of fucking work. You know, being getting sober, um, you know, getting good things in life, it it's, takes hard work, man. Look at Kobe Bryant, man. That's the one thing I, uh, message I got from that. I feel for the guy, I feel for the family, you know, I feel for, you know, the kid, you know, anybody losing their father, their husband, um, their daughter, it's just heartbreaking, you know what I mean? Any, any, any loss, you know, any ch- child with their whole life ahead of them, you know, it's just, um, it's just, it's just devastating, you know, never like to see a life cut short like that, you know, but, uh, you know, if you're alive, as long as you're alive, you got a choice and a chance to, to rebuild everything, you know what I mean? But you can't go down the wrong road. You know what I mean? And, you know, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, man, I'm, right, I'm writing my second book right now. And oddly enough, it's called Rebuilding the Machine. And it's a, it, exactly about that. And, you know, I, I wish I had come across you. Well, I, I knew you, but no one knew, you know, my, my rock bottom 12 years ago. And I wish I had talked to you then and, and listened to the words you're saying right now. Because it would have saved me a lot of, possibly saved me a lot of going in, in the wrong direction. And I, I think the lesson you're imparting right now is and it's what, what I'm hearing is you you have a choice as you said you know, put put one foot in front of the other whether it's getting to a gym and cleaning the place so you can work out there you you mentioned mentorship earlier I mean there's all kinds of programs out there that if you just got to look I mean you know we also talked about people hiding behind their their devices no matter how poor someone is these days they seem to have a mobile phone when you're on the mobile phone find out where you can go in your neighborhood to get a mentor, boys club, girls club, whatever it is. And in Kalaw, one thing I love to say, and it's gonna sound like probably way, way overly simplistic, but I have this game that I used to play, because it was a game at first, where if I found myself challenged in my own brain, I'd be like, okay, when I leave the house today or the apartment or, or the car I was living in, whatever it was at that time, I'd say the next five people I meet no matter what happens, no matter who they are, I'm going to make sure I am ultra sincerely nice to every single one of those people. And, you know, I found that it changed my day every single time. And then I was automatically nice to the sixth and the seventh and the eighth. And then stuff starts to come back to you. I don't mean they're giving you money or a place to live, but they're being nice to you. And that brings you to the ninth encounter and so on and so forth. And the reason I'm bringing this up is what I'm hearing you say, you have a choice. And don't be lazy. Go do something. Just we all know the difference between positive and negative. So anyone out there, we get we get a lot of this. People want to know, well, what did what what did the guests do to get out of it? And guys, girls, who's ever hurting out there, just take action in a positive direction. Is that too simple, Kala? No, it's it's uh, it, you know it sounds simple, but it's definitely not. You just got to be proactive and go and get out get out there you know what i mean it's it's uh it's definitely definitely not easy but you know i got another question for you because this this is some heavy stuff we're talking heavy stuff here and i'm sure we'll get back to it but i want to go the opposite direction for a second so i've gotten I, i had the the good fortune to get to visit you guys a couple of times in November on the North Shore of Oahu when the World Championships of Surfing is happening. And and for those who have, you know, seen the surf movies or have a visual in their head of what, what that time and place might look like, and it's all it's all that and more. And Claw, you're you're the king during that time. Um 
you know, you're you're a good looking guy. You're an international fashion model. You've had times in your life when you were single. The most beautiful surfer girls in the world are attracted to that spot at that time. I don't suppose you want to share a couple of fun stories with us, do you? Man, I, I honestly don't even wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> There's that many. Oh, are you kidding me? It's just, you know, it, it's just one party after another back in the day, you know. And like you said, just just tons of tons of beautiful women, and you know, but you know, not only are they attracted to the North Shore, but they're they're definitely attracted to you know confident confidence and. You know, that's one thing you, I think that's what they're attracted to. You've got a lot of very confident people in one place at, at the same time, you know. Um, a lot of competitive people at the top of their game. And I, I don't see myself as a king in any way, but, you know, I definitely see myself as a chief, you know. You know, our culture is a village, village culture, you know what I mean? We're all considered chiefs in our own home and in our neighborhoods, you know, and we, there's always another chief above you. Um, and you show tremendous respect to those chiefs. You know, that's one thing I grew up with. And I never forgot, you know, I always respected my elders unless they did something drastic to lose my respect. Um, I respected every single elder that I knew and that I met at just unquestionably. You know what I mean? If they were a respectful man that I looked up to and they were, you know, good, you know, somebody that I, I was inspired by or, but, but basically in a nutshell, every elder, you know, when, you know, when you, you meet them, you give them ultimate respect. And that's something I don't see uh, anymore. You know, the kids don't even acknowledge some of the older guys, you know, and it's, it's pretty sad. You know, oh man, it's amazing what's happened with um with manners these these days. I mean, respect, manners. We were we were talking earlier, and, and again, this is again overly simplistic example, I'm sure. But you know, I, I was raised. My mom died when I was 13, and up until that time, she raised us. We were I was on my own after that, but up until then, she raised us with manners, man. And you know, if I see a woman walking toward a store these days. I, I hold the door open for her and I'm not trying to be patronizing. I'm not trying to indicate that the opposite sex is weaker. I just think it's a gentlemanly thing in the manner like thing to do. And I'll treat elder people. I'll treat every person I meet with that kind of respect. What, what happened to manners, man? Do, do you see, do you see the erosion of that kind of behavior on the North shore a lot also, or is, is it still like old school over there? I see a lot of kids that don't acknowledge the uncles and like, you know, there's, you know, you definitely want the uncles on your side. You know what I mean? If anything ever goes down or there's some kind of confrontation, you definitely want to have the uncles on your side and, and, uh, you know, God forbid if anything that like that ever happened, but you know, there's, it's the world, it's getting more crowded. And I think it's crazy because now, respect is even more important like if if there's less respect and more people it's going to be chaotic you know um it's but still, still always a choice to maintain your good manners even even in a situation like that correct yeah exactly i think you always can oh. you you mentioned earlier the word the word chief and it made me think of something it's it, another question i've had but never have asked you so you're an actor and series regular on Hawaii Five-0. Uh, you've had some good feature parts and some uh, very prominent feature films. So there's these two movies that I, I've seen probably way more times than I should have. I'm going to be embarrassed to say I've seen uh, Blue Crush and Forgetting Sarah Marshall probably a dozen times each. I just really like those movies for some reason. And you've got you have very memorable roles in both those movies. And, and I, I thought of this when you said the word chief, because I've seen Sarah Marshall so many times. Uh, I think you, you refer to yourself as the chief of this village in that movie. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think I did. I didn't even remember that. Yeah. So, so what I, I, I'm pretty sure that was the line. So, sorry. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was too. But so what I want to ask you is when when you when you were playing the parts in those movies, 
and, and I remember your your role in Star Marshall was Greg. I remember that also. Are you are you following a script that someone else wrote for you, or is that you being you in those movies? Um, I I feel like they pretty much just wanted me to be a local, so they could just told me like be yourself, you know, like kind of put give my take on it, you know, and. and Acting's hard, man. I, it's definitely not easy, man. I got a lot of respect for those guys. It's a hard job. It's it's not easy, and um, definitely learned a lot over the years. And but I think I've done my best work um, re- just recently on Magna PI. My my character from Hawaii Five O has crossed over to Magna PI now. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. And what what's next for you in the in the movie and TV world? What do you want to do next? You know, I don't know, man. I've been approached by some interesting people. Um, uh, you know, I got a so we we might, you know, they want to use me to like talk about, you know, the plastic and Hawaii and and uh, you know, kind of like, kind of like how I grew up and why, you know, the environment and, and the ocean and everything is so important to Hawaiians and all people who've grown up in Hawaii and kind of end up by, by highlighting some of the, uh, you know, the abuse and, and uh, you know, just by humans of, of the environment. And then um, a lot of another project that, that you brought up to me and, and uh, you know, kind of like about what my life and, what I've gone through and what I've learned and, you know, for me, what seems so ordinary and, and routine, you know, for a lot of people is, is, is amazing, you know, and because I have grown up in an amazing place and I've gone, learned a lot of amazing things and been around some pretty amazing people, you know what I mean? So I've been very fortunate in that regard. And so, you know, um, hopefully we'll be able to do something with that. And, and, uh, yeah, I think, like I think the, I think that project will happen, man. Um, you know, you, you do this stuff long enough like you and I have, and you, you kind of get an idea when, when something is real or not. And, you know, and obviously I kind of set that up by asking, you know, what things you're working on these days. And everybody out there, Claw and I have a project we're working on together. It would be a um, a series um, starting with what they call limited series, which starts with a single season. Uh, and it's, uh, it's with the folks who... Uh, do shows like Ozark on Netflix now. So this is as real as it gets. And uh, they're, they're very good. They, they know how to write. They know how to produce. They know, they know how to pitch. And uh, yeah, it, it claw as, as you know, and I know it's about your life and, you know, in, in the TV world, they, they say there are two things that make a TV show interesting to a viewer and then make it successful. One is it's, a peek behind the curtain at the type of life and culture that very few ever get to see. And, and you got that in droves on this and they say, and then they need an ultra charismatic person or persons at the top of it. And that's your role in this. So I I feel good about what's going to happen here, man. And, and even as a fan, even though I'm involved in the business side of it as a fan, I'm I'm dying to watch it. I think it's going to be amazing. So I guess, uh, it's just, just about the you know the full circle of my life and, and uh, you know all the the crazy stuff that happened back in the day all the parties and and just uh, you know growing up the way I did you know and 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 like when I was a kid if you stepped out of line you you got your head slapped or you know or or you'd be in a fight or something you just respect is so important it wasn't about violence or hurting people it was, it's about something just lessons in life. And a lot of people didn't step out of line when they knew they might get their head slapped or they'd have to get in a fight. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's not, there's wasn't racism or uh, terrorism or anything like that. And, and uh, you know, I, because I grew up in a neighborhood, tough neighborhood, I didn't back down, you know. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of people that, came over here and started a lot of problems too and I always would stick up for me and my boys and 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 uh you know it's a lot more radical in a lot of other places in the world let me tell you a lot of people don't have any any idea of that but I definitely don't want to condone violence you know but um sometimes you just had no choice and 
definitely, but I, I'd like to focus on just the, the positives and just. Well, yeah, man, I got to say, I've, I've never known you to, um, to, to glorify violence or, or to, or to connect yourself with violence for the sake of violence. It's, it's always connected to what's right. And it's connected yeah. to it's connected to a code and respect and 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 I respect that. I hear what you're saying, man. And, and on that note, it's like the media has twisted a lot of stuff around, and then they've. That's why I don't do interviews anymore, you know, unless I'm a producer or something, you know, or or, or really involved in it because a lot of writers, uh, New York Times, I don't know, the ESPN guys, they, you know, we try to be honest, and but they don't ever finish the story they don't ever talk about what was done to us or what was done to one of our our family members or you know the the other side of it you know they just wanted to sensationalize things and so yep. um, yep. um media twisted a lot of stuff around and then these guys who search us or stay at home on their computers and 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 think they know us and think we're pieces of shit you know they i've i've had them direct message me and and like i said i block a lot of them you know with some guys they strike a note or they strike a chord in me and and i i lose my cool sometimes and you know i i, I will i tell people man i give them my phone number and i tell them call me up you know come and meet me and i will let you decide because i don't know you and you don't know me i'll let you decide if we meet as friends or enemies it's because i got so fed up and they've, they've said so much stupid shit about me and just stuff about my family or my mother who's, who's passed away already like yeah. you know, really low class piece of shit stuff that i just lost my cool and i so, i, 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 I want to come back to I, i'm sorry I, go ahead go on, go on. I direct message on my number, man. It's like, you know what? I'm tired of talking already. You, so you know, I want to stay on I, this in a, it, in a moment. Sorry to interrupt. I, I know I told you I was going to um, obnoxious well, about interrupting. Yeah. Uh, you know, these guys can talk. They send me three, four, five paragraphs of how much of a piece of shit I am. And, you know, if they really say something really fun, that really, I, I tell them, man, this, look, here's my number, man. I don't want to argue with you. Just call me up when you get here, you know, and and like I said, you can decide if we're friends or enemies, you know. But but that's my number. Just give me a call. You can call me right now if you want. And, and okay, so I, I want to I want to come back to this. But here's a question: This brings up. So when you say you you can decide if we're going to be friends or enemies, has it ever gone far enough down the line that someone calls you, you end up meeting, I, and then you become I, and then you I, become I, friends with that person? Has that happened? No, I. I never got a phone call because I never shoot. Okay. Rick. Well, Rick, because the the guy that could probably kick my ass isn't going to be. He thought he'd be writing that shit in the first place. He's not going to be writing the shit in the first place. No, no. It's like what I said in the beginning. The guy who, uh, the toughest guys in the world are not on the internet calling guys out that they don't know and telling them they're a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, they might train jujitsu. They might do this and they might be monsters in the gym, but uh, uh, don't matter. <laughs> I, I, I some real fights, you know, and, and I usually tell them like they, they trip out. Like I'm all, you know what, you know, cause I got kids and I got a job and stuff like we can meet in the dojo. So no one gets too hurt. You know what I mean? Yep, I know that one, I, of course. Fight on the street, somebody hit a rock, somebody hit this or that, I and mean, one of us could die, you never know. Yeah, and then the other one's going to prison for the rest serious. of their life. Yeah, right. When they see how serious I am and how nonchalant I am, it's like, say, you, you, you talk shit about my family, my, my mom, my fucking kids. You, you know what I mean? Like, you, fuck, I'm done talking. Just let so no, no phone calls yet, man. If you ever get one and you think of I, it, let me know, man. I'd love to hear what happens. I have. Yeah, I'll let you know. You know, Holy like I shit. said, I got kids and stuff. And, like, and, 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 you know, if somebody really hates me that much, you know, we can meet okay. in the dojo, like I said. Nobody right, but then again, I want, I want to go back to something we talked about a couple of minutes ago. I, I know that you're... I know that you don't look for stuff like that. You're, you're answering something that's coming at you. And you talked about the media and how the media twists things. You know, it's like we talk, you and I talk about pit bulls a little bit. It's, it's, the, it's the pit bull problem. You know, I, I love them. They're sweet dogs. They're great dogs. But they're, it, they're so 
they're so unfairly portrayed in the media that they have the rep they have now. And at the beginning of the podcast, before you came on, you know, when I was reading off this long list of, of things like full scholarship student and, you know, reco- recovering this and international that, I mentioned the term street thug. And, and that did not, that's not me saying that is who you are. Um, that's what the media has. And I don't want to make it sound like you're being victimized because you're not a victim and I'm not a victim. But the media has done that to you to a degree. And that's also why, you know, I was asking, what do you think people think of you? And this is also why I'm dying for the series to come out, because when people get the vibe of what you are and who you are as a human being, they are going to trip. And I mean that in a good way, man. It's going to be really cool. I mean, when I if you if you talk about a street thug, man, it, for me a street thug is is a guy who has robbed people, um, like mugged people. Yep. Um, I, I might have done some thuggish shit back in the day. I've robbed some drug dealers. You know, um, I never robbed a um, old lady. You know, I've never, you know shit you know street thugs i mean i i have sold drugs i have sold marijuana you know back in the day you know when i you know you're younger you're impressionable and you see these other people doing it making money and doing this and you know and that's easy really like it, it, it that doing that shit is actually really easy it doesn't take any fucking i mean doesn't make you tough it doesn't do this i mean like fuck people are trying to get rid of all this stuff all the time like but to actually like do a really legit business and like have a really legit great job um you know that takes a lot of fucking work you know like having gifts it's crazy and it might sound cliche but like kobe bryant said if you get all these god-given gifts or or any kind of gift you know, for leadership or or, 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 or anything, um, any kind of skill that you can share or, or make a, a life out of doesn't mean shit if you don't fucking have the hard work and, and the determination and the pursuit of it, you know, so. So were you um, born, was were you born with that work ethic or is it something that you acquired as, as your life went on? Um, I think I learned a lot about that watching my mom and then like, you know, um, as I got older, like, it's just, you know, like I've, I've met some amazing people in my life that have just done really well. And it's always through hard work and determination and, and showing up, you know what I mean? So, um, I, I don't know. I just feel like it's the older generation too. Like you just always have to be working. Like you got to wake up and what are you going to do? What, how am I, what, what are my goals? How am I going to make money? How am I going to pay the bills? I want a better life. Like, what am I going to do? And you look around, and who are the people doing good? They're fucking kicking ass. They're they're working hard, you know. And then I I, 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 I do know, of course, yeah. A lot of people have been, you know, just were lucky, born in born into money and this and that. But you know, you can't. I don't think that I don't think that's lucky necessarily. Um, It makes life easier in some regards, for sure. But you know, it's we were. But what I'm saying is, in relation to you, you can't be bitter because somebody else had better circumstances oh right right no god no of course not of course not i mean uh and that's the thing with social media right now like you look everybody's just portraying this amazing life and oh god every yeah. day you kids are comparing themselves to all these people they're following and like they think this shit's magical and like all these rappers and musicians glorifying fucking drinking cough syrup and doing drugs and these guys got fucking money and drivers and houses already. Like, you know what I mean? These kids are just starting out in their lives. And these, these guys who already have everything in life are glorifying this shit. And the kids are getting stunted because they want to do it now, you know, without, you know, even, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just a tough day and age to grow up in. And all I can think of right now is just, all I think of right now is, is, is leaving a legacy for my kids because I know and you have you have are, you're a father of five, is that right? Yeah, and I don't get to see them all, all the time, you know, and 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 you know, um, I'm not the perfect father, but you know, I would take all my kids right now. You know what I mean? Like I've had a, a pretty un- misguided life where I had to make 
figure things out the hard way and a lot of stuff through different father figures. But, you know, through it all, I, I, you know, I, I have five kids from four different women and, and, uh, you know, that's, that's a tough thing to have, man. If you can get one good woman to stick to her. And, and okay. Hallelujah to that, man. (laughs) I hear you. That's, that's a tough one, but like, it's not that way. And right now I don't get to see all my kids, you know, but what I would take them all right now. Like I have, you know, the young ones, I would take them right now. If the, if the mothers would let me, I would take them into my house right now, into my home and, and, and forever, you know, and one's in Florida, my 15 year olds in Florida, uh, my 12 year olds here is, you know, me and her mother don't get along. So I, you know, and, and we were, we talk, my daughter just won the, um, Oahu Island canoe paddling championships yesterday and she was steering. Oh, very cool. Congratulations, man. That's really cool. And so you're you're a father and I I know, I know a bit of your heart for your kids because we've talked about it a little bit and I I know how, how important it is and that you want to provide guidance for them. This is kind of, it's going to sound kind of random, but it's, it's not, trust me. What do you what do you tell your kids about forgiveness? Because you've you've experienced some of the worst. You've had some, you've been the on the wrong side of some pretty bad behavior by other people. What do you tell your children about forgiveness? Well, I mean, if you can't forgive someone, you you don't really let go of anything you can't really move on, you know? So, I mean, some, I don't know, some people don't deserve forgiveness, but like, you know, if they do give it to them, you know what I mean? If, if people, humans make mistakes, you know, so I, I don't know. And, and, and my kids have made mistakes. And I think as long as you learn from something, you know, and you can show that you have, I think that deserves forgiveness. You know what I mean? As long as you genuinely use it as a lesson, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. I, you know, I was telling you. I think I told you about this guy that I had met not long ago and had interviewed him. Gentleman from the Middle East who came came over forty years ago, kind of like one of those, you know, immigrant makes good stories. Came from Jordan of all places. And he managed to get his first kid into a university in San Diego. And his son, he was 20, his first weekend at school, he was delivering pizzas to make some money. And he was killed um, in, a, in a gang initiation. And the, the boy that killed him was 14 years old. He was the first kid in California, tried as an adult and sentenced to prison for life. And it's you know 20, 23 years later now, the father of the murdered son and the guy almost killed himself after his kid was murdered. And I, I, I know his heart, I think, is in the same place as yours, where, where your level of care for your kids is concerned. 23 years later, this gentleman, Azim Kamisa, he got the murderer out of prison. And the kid that murdered his, uh, his son is now 36 years old. His name is Tony. Tony and Azim worked together in a nonprofit um, forgiveness, forgiveness and anti-violence foundation. Um, I, I bring it up only because I know that you've you've faced about as hard a stuff as you can. I, I, I have to a degree, I think, people like Azim have. And I, I see as, you know, I don't think it's age. I think it's evolution of who we are as people. And I, I see this evolution in you that reminds me a lot of this guy, Azim, where, where you get to the point where potentially your, your, your heart is open to, to helping anybody, no matter what they've done. Is that something that you aspire? Fire to, or do you absolutely draw the line somewhere? Well, I mean, that's a good question. It depends on what exactly these people have done. Yes, no, but I mean, that in that case, the guy was 14 years old. He's a kid, you know what I mean? He's yep, getting, yep. Getting pregnant out and, you know, probably had parents that are drug addicts. And a lot of these gang members, they're, they're, their parents are fucked up. They're on drugs. They're in gangs. You know, that's all they know. Yep. And that was this kid's uh, experience. Exactly. Yep. You're right. Yep. So, uh, I definitely have to drink like somewhere, but yeah, I mean, it just, it's a case. It's a, 
it's a case-to-case basis. I, I mean, I guess, you know, it depends on that person and where they're at in their life. Fair, fair enough. So, Kala, for, um, for, for a guy who's, uh, who's been there and done that, man, what, um, what, what in life has you motivated and excited these days? Being able to leave my children uh, with houses and properties that no one can take away from them. That's it, so, man. I'm just that's a big motivation. Okay. <laughs> I, I would... Like I a would. world that, you know, there's so much... People are fucking a divorce away from being homeless right now because our country doesn't fucking, you know, our, our people don't work, make enough money. They don't get medical. You know what I mean? No one gets automatic medical. It's just a fucking tough fucking world, you know, and, and America would rather drop trillions of dollars in the Middle East to go fucking kill people we don't even know, you know? And our fucking kids, our people's kids are going over there and dying. Well, we can't even feed our fucking people or give them medical insurance? Like, what? This is just fucked up. Yeah. It's you know frustrating I mean? as all hell. It's it's a big it's a big I know, it's a big broken part of our world, yeah. 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 Well, well our country, we're supposed to be the strongest country in the world and then I find out from some guy that from South Dakota that South and North Dakota have more fucking oil than the Middle East. You know, we just want all their fucking oil too. You know what I mean? We want to control everybody yeah, else. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's just society, bro. P- people need to p- get paid more. You, you see all that stress that's causing people to, you know. So, so this drive, th- this drives you now to wanting to pr- 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 provide a better life for your kids, so they don't have to face that head on like 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 most do these days. I'm afraid of them being homeless, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? Like, I got to leave them with a, with a business that makes money and that will provide for our family for, for you know. And are you, um, are you feeling that you're, uh, uh, you feeling pretty good about being on path to, uh, to hit those goals? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am. I got a, uh, you know, I got a whale watching boat on the North Shore, you know, that, offers what I what I think is the best trip on the North Shore. You know, I teach people after they come on my boat to have a better vacation, a safer vacation, and they'll know where all the places where I like to eat at are, are and, you know, they'll know about the Hawaiian culture, how special it is, how, how dangerous our ocean is, um, where the Hawaiians came from, you know, evolution, surfing, just, you know, just All right, so I know that you you definitely did not ask about plugging anything, but I want to I want to ask you to to plug this. I, I do know that you're you're running the boat company and the charter now. People are visiting the North Shore of Oahu and they want to hang out with Kala Alexander. How do they get on your boat? What do they need to do? Yes, they can they can uh, uh, it, you know they can go to. Um, you know, you can get to a link, I believe, on the thecaptain.com. I got to make it easier for people. It's definitely something I'm learning about, uh, you know, websites and accessibility and having a simpler website. So, you know, Nani, Nani Kai Ocean Adventures um, uh, is my whale watching. And then Haleiwa Shark Tours, you know, that's another one. These Hawaiian words, we take them for granted, but a lot of people can't even say them, you know, so it's definitely, mm-hmm. I might be getting Which is how Hale you're talking about, yes. Shorter. All right. Shorter hey, I, I can help, uh, I can help to make this easy for everybody because I just logged on while we're on the phone here. I just logged on to thecaptain.com and, and everybody out there, that's that's Hawaiian or, or, or pigeon koa, correct me if I'm wrong, for the Yes. Which is da D A. So everybody D A Captain C A P T A I N dot com. Looking yeah. at it right here and, and they can charter three. Yeah, I don't have um I don't have the fishing charter business anymore. I sold that. Um but I do have a shark cage business now with Makua Rothman and that is Hollywood Shark Tours dot com and I'm gonna have to link those to the captain dot com. I, I just gotta make shorter like you because you can have another website that links to that website but with a shorter yes. like easier yes you can yep that's, 
going to do. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I got to do in the future. I'm learning all this, the marketing, everything. You know, right now I'm doing it pretty much by myself, and so hopefully soon I'll be able to bring in some some help with that. But yeah, we, you know, I just want to share my my perspective, you know, on Hawaii and just being living here and all my life. That's awesome. just, just my knowledge of the ocean and and its animals, and yeah, it's been amazing. The whale watching has been absolutely just crazy lately. It's been so amazing. I've heard. I've heard. Man, that's yeah. It'd be, it'd be so fun to be out on the water with you. All right, dude. I, I've got like probably the I get probably the biggest, heaviest question you've ever been asked. Are you ready for this one? What? Me, Mila Kunis or Kate Bosworth? Uh, I, I would say Kate. But, All right. <laughs> um, I, I would also. Well, when I met Mila, she was. Uh, I don't know. She was different back then. She was uh, smoking a lot of cigarettes, drinking a lot of alcohol, and just kind of, you know, I'm not a big fan of cigarettes. Um, Kate was more wholesome and, and, and sweet and uh, just more. Uh, but definitely I would want to feed both of them some more. That's awesome. <laughs> I, <laughs> but, uh, I had to ask that question. Yeah, both What's of them that? were nice, you know, were nice people, yeah. but... Um, you know, Kate was actually hanging out with Brock Little while she was here, and you know, um, so he was all in love. She, she, she was really sweet, and, and Mila was nice too. But like I said, cigarettes aren't my thing. Um, but yeah, I've just been fortunate, fortunate to live the life I've lived, and definitely learned a lot of lessons. And not perfect by any means, but um, yeah, I just I got kids and. That's my main focus right now. That's all I want to do. I've been sober eight and a half years, um, you know, and it's not a struggle for me. It's not, I don't need a program. You know, this is, wasn't helping me. This is, I feel like shit. I'm hungover. I got a headache. I'm done. As simple as that. Black and white. No tension. Yeah, we have talked about that. It just, it just came right. That's amazing. And it's so, so blessed. It came to you that way. But Um, but like this came to me, I was in Fiji. Yeah, and surfed the best swell that I've ever seen in my life with the best surfers in the world. You know, it was a big day, and um, I was sober for a year up until that night, so I really got hammered. You know, it just really affected me. I felt like I was going to die, so I was just made the decision to be done with it. And at that point, you know, some of my kids are already drinking too, so I, I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be sober and focused and, you know, be a better man, be a better husband. Uh, not a, I mean, better father. I mean, I mean, I, I wasn't married anymore, but just. Well, I, I, I admire that. And I know that about you. You're, you're a man who can make a decision and, and stand by it, man. That's, that's so admirable. My, um, I should say our producer, Ian Barkley, the amazing two man power trip empire. He's signaling, signaling me that we're right at our hour here. Man, and I could I could go on forever with you, man. It's um, I want to express my gratitude to Kalaf for agreeing to come on. I know you don't do many of these these days. I really really appreciate it, and I, I feel really blessed to be working with you on this TV project. And uh, you know, as a business yeah. guy and more as a fan, I look forward to seeing it myself. To I, seeing your life. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 thank you. I feel uh, uh, you know blessed and and. Uh, fortunate and thank you I'm, I'm looking forward to working with you too and i hope everybody who's listening has more insight on me and the fact that i'm just a poor person like like them and you know that grew up in a pretty extraordinary place and you know it definitely had some obstacles and some adversity and, and i'm just trying to just push through it and over it like everybody else man and, and uh, right now i just want to help people and try to inspire people and you know, definitely the younger people, you know, because I, I got my my 20 year old, 21 year old son that lives with me and, you know, all my other kids. And I just want to help them be uh, set for life and, and uh, not have any of the worries and stress that I had, you know. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, Claude, thank you. I'm, for, I'm, I'm glad, so glad to see you where you are and doing doing what you're doing. It's 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 just a great thing to, to get to witness. I will be in touch with you shortly, my friend. I know we have a lot to talk about. And again, thank you so much. Everybody out there with Talking Tough, um, it's Mr. Kala Alexander. Thank you, Kala. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Bye.
Catch you soon. Bye-bye. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.